Welcome to episode 39 of Shailen on Batman. I'm Justin Shailen. Tonight, we are having our new comics correspondent on the show, Kim Gaines. Welcome to the show, Kim. Yay! Hey! <laughs> so tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to kind of steer clear from movies, even though we got to touch something on a little bit of the Batman v Superman uh, stuff tonight. Yeah, we're going to talk Batman v Superman stuff. Um, How do we do that? <laughs> and then we'll get, what we're going to do is talk about our top three favorite comics, graphic novels. So let's start with the cover of Empire Magazine that was just released today. And then, like, Thursday, I guess, the new that article comes out, like, all around the world. So what did you guys think of that? I'll ask Kim. What'd you do? Were you able to see that uh, cover? I did. I saw it pop up on my Instagram. Um... I'm not gonna lie, Affleck's kind of irritating me, and not because he's Affleck. Just he's got no neck. He looks so it well that, but he looks so enormous, and I'm just like it doesn't even look real. Like Henry Cavill, it looks like that's what he looked like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you were to take off the suit, it sort of looks like that's generally what he would look like. Batman looks like almost over the top big, like that really old school comic big, and I'm just kind of like. If he looks like if you poke him with a pin, he'll pop. <laughs> okay, I guess. I mean, if that's what you guys want to do. Other than that, I like So he looks him. like Bane? <laughs> he looks like Bane. Basically, right? He does. I'm just trying to get his ass kicked by Bane, so he's got a match him now. <laughs> um, I saw it, obviously, like everybody else did, because my Twitter, when I scrolled, it was literally like that picture over and over and over. Like, I was like, is my internet messed up? And I was like, oh no, everybody's really worried about this. But uh, I'm not going to like get crazy about it because I'm not going to base a movie off of an image on a magazine cover. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe it was just the angle or something. He does look kind of strange. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. Like, he, he definitely looks like just upset and this is like, there. like I don't know. This is like the second photo that we have seen of uh, Ben Affleck in the suit, where people have given him a lot of flack, and not for like like the regular reasons of like oh like the suit sucks or oh he just doesn't like look like what we had imagined in our head. It's these weird little things. Like the first one was Sad Batman <laughs> with that first cell that was. Uh, what is that, like a year and a half ago? When they first showed the Batmobile? Yeah, with that one. And now we are at the point where here's another still of him, and it's like, oh, he's it's no neck Batman. <laughs> and did you see that one where like somebody gave him like a real neck? No. It was like super <laughs> no. It's crazy. Um but yeah, it's it's really bizarre that people are just like able to pick out certain things. It does kind of look strange. I'm not gonna mm. lie. I don't know what it is. It's I don't know if it's the angle of it. Right. But here's another uh, like photograph of Ben where it's just like, who's their photographer? Like I'm no photographer, but like when this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a little strange. Kyle, what you, what were your thoughts? 
I mean, I honestly didn't really give it much of a second thought when I first saw it because I'm not really big into getting fussy over it, promotional art or anything like that. But it wasn't until later when I started hearing people complain about it where I actually kind of took another look at it. Yeah, it looks a little little odd. It's off. Yeah. It's just a little bit. It's, it's not like the, a bad Photoshop. That's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. how I describe it. Like someone, <laughs> the Photoshop or whoever was working on it messed something up. I don't know. But like, I've seen worse. So I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, we have nothing to worry about, I don't think. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just like another photograph where it's just like, it's just odd. Very odd. Like his stance is just like weird. Like his posture is very, it's, I don't know. It's, it's strange. So, but, be, but before we get into our uh, three favorite comics, graphic novels, um, we really want to welcome Kim on to the Shannon on Batman team. Uh, Kim, give us like a a rundown of your history with comics. Where'd you first uh, get like? Where's your first comic book that you got? How, who like kind of gave like brought you into the world of comic books? Because okay. everyone's completely different. So let's do that. Let's talk. Let's let's find out who Kim is <laughs> so for the world to kind of like hear her for the first time. All right. Um... Well, I actually didn't start in comics. I started with cartoons. That was my thing. Uh, my dad and I, growing up, my dad always had me watching Batman the Animated Series with him, which Smart turned guy. into Superman the Animated Series, which turned into Batman Beyond, which turned into Static Shock, which turned, you know, and it kind of kept going into that. And I, I loved all of those cartoons. I loved all of them, plus, you know, many, many more. And I can't remember when it happened, but... At some point, I had to be like 11 or 12, and my dad just mentioned offhand that he had some Batman comics in the attic, and I was like, what's that? <laughs> and he's like, I have Batman comics, and he goes and he pulls them down, and I'm just like, and I'm, I've been a bookworm my whole life. I've always read. I've always loved reading. So I was just like, these are books? You can read this? Kind of flipped out, and I have not been able to put it down since, <laughs> like, I haven't been able to get rid of the bug. Um, I'm trying to think of what my first one was. And it, I want to say it's first year. Because I know for a fact my dad, I remember my, seeing The Killing Joke in my dad's attic and him telling me that I wasn't allowed to read it yet. Do you mean year <laughs> one? Yeah. I remember looking at it at the cover and he's like, I can't let you read that when you're not ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> uh, it took a little longer for me to get around to that one, but... um that's kind of how I got into it. And around, I want to say 10th grade, I was at boarding school. Um, and I used to babysit this kid, Jake Singer, little 10 year old redhead, um, coolest little kid in the universe. And we used to watch a lot of cartoons together, especially Avatar, the last airbender. And one day he just kind of asked me, he was like, have you ever made a story? And I was like, no, <laughs> you look like, well, you should. And I wrote, a little short thing with him and then I guess it dawned on me that people actually get paid to do this and ever since yeah. then I kind of been trying to make it a career <laughs> so that's awesome so like you have a website with I all do, your stuff yes. on it what is that like, that is grubmachine.com uh I named our group grub machine because I have never come up with a good idea on an empty stomach not once <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> clever I like that I um I don't know. I, so talk I about your website. Like, what is on your website? So people... On our website right now, you can see our little about page, which is sort of like a condensed version of how I see heroes, why I believe those kinds of stories are as important as they are. Um, after that, you can see a 
poster or one of our initial concept posters rather for um eventide that is our first series that releases this halloween actually so a few months and that'll be out for you guys to read and then you can also see some concept work for our other series house of thieves um which is not set to come out till like next year because it's such a complex story and it gives me a headache a lot but um other than that, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can check out our Instagram page and see us on Twitter and whatnot. And um, Okay, what are those Instagram and Twitter handles? Okay, our Instagram handle is Grub Machine Comics. Um, and then you can follow me and my partner, Sean, on Twitter. We don't have an official Grub Machine Twitter yet just because I feel like we don't have enough to say. We're not quite there yet. But um, my Twitter is Kim K Gaines, and then my partner Sean is that Sean Lanier, L A N I E R. And we kind of just nerd out on the internet. <laughs> so if you're interested in watching us do that, then by all means, um, come and see us and stuff like that. I have links up for a panel that I did at Special Edition this year um, that you guys can check out. So all of that stuff is all there for you guys to look at and see what we're about, and hopefully you like what you see. Um, so what? Before we get into, like, the real meat of the show, of tonight's episode, what, is, what has it been about Batman that's kind of kept you into reading comics and wanting to make a career out of it? Um, well, like I said, I've always been very much into stories. I, I, as a kid, all I did was read, and particularly fantasy-type stories, so I was always into the adventure hemisphere, so to speak. And I think with Batman... For starters, I actually, because I started watching it, so it was visual, very visually appealing for me before I even really knew what a comic was. As a kid, that was very visually appealing to me. And Batman, it, you felt it. There were episodes where you, even if, as a kid, if you didn't understand all the themes, all the symbolism, all the motifs, all of the things behind it, even if you didn't understand it, you felt it. And that fascinated me. I think to this day, there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series called um, Growing Pains, where Tim Drake falls in love with a girl that he saves, and yes. it turns out it's Clayface. Yes. And that, to me, what I cried, I mean, I cried at the end of that episode. That, that hit me, and, and there was something fascinating about that. And then another big thing about Batman that really drew me to him was that unlike the rest of the people in the DC universe, Batman has an entire legacy behind him. You know what I mean? It's not just the one junior Batman. He has this entire family that he has built of these people who are as determined and almost to an extent, almost as vicious as he is, which you see in a lot of other characters like Cass Kane or Jason Todd, where they reflect that vicious part of him. And then maybe in Tim, he reflects that detective part of him. And then, you know, Dick, they all represent something about him that's different. And I love that aspect of family. And I think Batman comics, again, like the animated series, really touch on heavier themes and heavier motifs without being cliche. Because I think everybody has a gritty detective story that they can talk about. Everybody has that. Everybody has a gritty detective story. But Batman, he's not that. He's so much more than that. And even when he's not in his own comic, even when he's in a Justice League comic, it still stands out and it still sets him apart. Um, I think everybody has... You know, some people are like, oh, well, I don't have, I can't in my vocabulary. But Batman's like, I don't have, I can, I have, I will. And that's it. He is what he is because he desires to be that. It is solely willpower and determination and drive that pushes him to where he's at. It's not a gift. He wasn't born with it. It didn't happen to him. He chose it. Um, he says in Justice League Identity Crisis, um, 
God, how does he say it? He says, I didn't, he said, I chose this life. And at any given day, I could stop. But today is not that day, and tomorrow isn't it either. Wow. And that's the end of that. And you just, you can't help but love it. You're just like, God, who's me about badass? Like, I want to chill with that dude. <laughs> I do, you know, and it's it's awesome because he's still a little crazy. He, he's got to be a little bit crazy to do what he does, but it's it's controlled. It's wonderful. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm nerding out now. I'm gonna be quiet, but no, no, <laughs> he's, just, he's amazing. He really is. He's amazing. Keep going, man. yeah. <laughs> um, you can talk as much as you want. Um, so we all like on Channel Nine Batman. We all have discussed before like our favorite Batman moments. What is that favorite Batman moment for Kim Gaines? Favorite Batman moment. Not to push out the spot or anything. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I don't think I can name my ultimate Batman. <laughs> but um one of them is in Hush. Um Jeff is one Jeff Loeb, that's a name, right? That's how you pronounce it. I don't know how you say his last name. When he opens up that whole comic, I think he has such a unique gift for sounding the way we imagine Batman to be. Um, when he's, you know, when he's doing the inner narrative, and that whole opening scene where he's coming after Killer Croc because he kidnapped that kid, and he's he's got it down to the seconds, like the way he's narrating this whole scene, and he's talking about how. He's got 11 seconds before Killer Croc gets out of there. How do you know you have 11 seconds? But you know what I mean? But he does right. it because it's that good and, and it's engaging and it sort of opens your brain in a new way because a lot of times, especially for younger audiences and for people who've only experienced Batman like through an animated series or something like that, you just assume that he's good. You're just like, oh, well, he's Batman. He can do it. But Jeff Loeb has this ability to, it, it's not just he can do it. It's He explains how he does it. But, you know, again, through Batman's voice. And so it's it's fascinating. Like, it's fascinating. And, I mean, he took Croc out. It was just like, boom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, was, he was ready. He had it down to the seconds. He knew the timing. The way that he was calculating um, the armed guards. This guy has that. And he, he knows shit that you don't even know how he knows. He's like, oh, that guy was injured two weeks ago in that right shoulder. I'm going to punch the shit out of that and keep moving. Like, and, and it's just like he knows he's that well-informed when he goes in. And it's, it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch. And, and it wasn't even watching. We were reading it. We were reading it, but we felt like we were watching it. We were that lost in it. So it's just, ah, oh God, that dude's too cool. Shout out to Jeff Lowe. Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> so... So what Kim's going to do for us, she's going to be primarily on the website, ShannonOnBatman.com. She's going to be doing, like, uh, comic reviews. And I know her, she, she's going to tell us her favorite uh, uh, comic graphic novel just a bit. But she, that's her first uh, little article review is going to be on that. So let's get right into that. Nice little segue into that. So, Kim, give us your top three Batman comics or graphic novels, starting with the third best one. Okay. Third best one probably is the one I just mentioned, Hush. Okay, it's a good choice. Um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I loved the dynamics between all of the characters that were interacting with Bruce in that series. Um, you had him finally becoming seriously romantically involved with the Catwoman, you know, enough to bring her to the cave, take off his mask, let her be there, and he's engaged in it. And so that was interesting because Bruce never lets a wall down. He never lets his guard down at all. And even 
even when she was in the cave, he still was tense. And so that was interesting. And then Tim, who was very justice-driven, is like, why is she here? Get her out. You can't trust her kind of deal. Um, what was happening with all of these villains that were acting out of character and he couldn't figure it out. He knew somebody was orchestrating everything. He didn't know why. Um, his dealings with Dick, all of it was... It was very much character driven. There was a lot of action, but the story that was being told and the things that were happening really spoke to who Bruce was as a character, um, which is sometimes very much synonymous with Batman. But a lot of times in this comic was very separate. And I appreciated those differences, I guess, being highlighted. Um, also, it was a lot of twists because you think you know who it is and it's not that guy but it is that guy and Jason's odds alive and you know it's like <laughs> all of this insanity happening and um, the way it ended was almost haunting because you know um, oh god all of you have read this right yes, <laughs> yes. okay sweet just double checking okay so you know um, they you know Riddler and what Thomas Elliot yes are they named the whole operation Hush and when Catwoman whispers that to him at the end it's just your heart wrenches. You, it's almost like your heart wrenches for Bruce because you you could tell. I mean, it was like you could feel him shut down through the pages, and you could feel him push her away. It was it was terrible, but it was incredible. And it was it, again, it was a very haunting ending at the end. That was just kind of like, will Bruce ever be happy? <laughs> will he ever be able to make this work? And and it sort of just reminds you that that is the price that he pays for this life that he's chosen to live. And that even though that hurts, always, almost always, let's be real, like nobody in the DC universe has gone through as much crap as he has. So even though it hurts him to do what it is that he does, he still chooses to do it every day. And so it's admirable. It really is. It's admirable to watch. And that was an awesome comic. Awesome. And Jim Lee's art, stop. Makes you want to cry. Makes you want to cry. And it's so good. Like, you just want to stare at the pages like, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, but not, I don't know. So number two, so number three was already like one of like the greatest, single greatest Batman arcs or story runs in all of comic history. So what's your number two going to have to be? Number two. Because I already know what number one is. is. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably, right? right. Um, number two is probably going to be your one. And I have to say part of that is because of the nostalgia of it. It was the first time that I had ever seen Batman on a page, ever. Um, it was the first time that I ever experienced him through a written narrative as opposed to a, what is it, 26-minute animated series deal. And so it was so much heavier because I, I had no, again, I had no previous experience page-wise with Batman. And so the animated series, even though it has those heavier, deeper moments, it's nothing like the comics. You know what I mean? Nothing like yeah. it. And so year one was interesting because it was it was interesting to not only watch him sort of become or try to become Batman and, you know, try to get this whole thing down packed. But I remember the one thing that fascinated me more than anything in that whole series was, and of course this is, you know, by the time I was reading this, this is after we already had several Batman movies, was that Gordon was like the first guy to say Bruce Wayne is Batman. And the only reason, the only reason he decided that wasn't true was because when he went to visit him with his wife, you know, Bruce is sitting there with those two naked ladies and whatnot, trying to, you know, do the Playboy deal, and his wife is like, no, nah, this guy's a dick, there's no way. <laughs> and that just, that just, you know, that curved him so much, but it just reminded you that 
And again, even when um, one of those cops came after Gordon at night and kicked that guy's ass, it just it really just reminded you that Batman does not trust just anybody. You know what I mean? Gordon wasn't just a nice cop that he decided, you know, to sort of build this relationship with. He was a good cop. He was a damn good cop. He's very good at what he does. And he and Batman are sort of driven in a lot of ways by the same things. And so watching those two stories unfold in parallel to each other, you know, Gordon moving into town, Batman trying to be Batman, that was awesome. That was really, really awesome. And again, it was like that sort of first real gritty story that I had ever really got into. And so it means a lot to me. And it kind of always, I always go back to that one sort of to remind myself why I love it and remind myself how it felt to read that the first time and get to that last page and just be like, man, that was great. That was really, really great. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's... I hope these explanations are not super long. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. We're, we're actually sitting here <laughs> like, wow, you, like you're just as in depth with your your details as the books are. It's great, yeah, right? And you're able to your words, you're able to explain to us and audiences like what this has meant to you and how Batman has kind of like crept into your life in like amazing ways with the storytelling. So what's number one? We like what is it? Give us. Oh, come on, guys! Killing joke. Oh, <laughs> very nice, very nice. Very nice. And I know everybody says. I mean, I know everybody says that's their favorite one, but they say it because it's the best one. As many as have come out since, and as phenomenal as they've been. Don't get me wrong, Snyder, all day long. But what Alan Moore did in that was un it's untouchable. It is untouchable to me. Kyle just brought up like he just like he just he just randomly like reaches up and just pulls up the the, the killing pretty, yeah killing the King joke. joke like hardcover with a big he... smile on his face. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. You know, I actually lost my copy and I still have to get another one. I lent it to a guy in college. <laughs> Who is he? We will find him. For you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he will answer for it. And when I remember going back to his door and then he never answered, and like I never found that guy again. I'm like, dude, that guy has my comic. Yeah. <laughs> Man, anyway. We back was, you it now. Was, it, was, so. it was right after the Dark Knight came out. That's why I went to him. He never read a Batman comic. I was like, no. I didn't know the Joker was like that. I'm like, what? You're the best one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But um, Killing Joke, is, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And it's yeah. terrifying. I, I think what happens is, the scariest stories are the ones where there's truth in them. You know what I mean? If we could, if everything the Joker ever said, we could just dismiss as stupid or crazy or whatever, just a maniac talking, he wouldn't be that much of a problem. And I think a lot of people forget that because, again, what they've seen, how they've seen the Joker portrayed in, in uh, other mediums and television and stuff like that prior to the Heath Ledger, even Jack Nicholson, as phenomenal as he did because he really did jack nicholson was a beast it oh, yeah. still didn't quite nail what the joker was really about because if he was really just a clown this never would have been a problem that man would have punched him one time and that would have been the end that's not what it is and i feel like the dark knight really christopher nolan really drew a lot from the killing joke i really feel like he drew a lot of the joker's logic from the killing joke and really incorporated that and sort of rehashed some of those lines and some of those moments and some of that tension and he did it profoundly he bled did it profoundly but the killing joke it, it's 
God. And then the last joke he said at the end with Batman, and they're just standing there laughing. And it's scary because when the hell does Batman laugh? So you're just like, what? It's it's maddening. It's maddening. And, you know, the Joker, this whole thing is, it started with one bad day. He wanted to prove, you know, that Gordon, he just took one day, 24 hours to rip this man apart. There wouldn't be anything left. And he's telling, you know, and he's telling Batman the same thing. That's what happened to me, and I know that's what happened to you. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to say it. You don't want to explain it to anybody. But I know that's what happened to you because it happened to me. You wouldn't be out here in this mask if it didn't happen to you. Something haunts you every day. So what is it? And it's just, ah, uh, God, the symbolism. I wish I had it in front of me so I could, like, quote lines. Because it's so <laughs> I love. But it's just, like, he challenged Batman God, not what he is. He challenged who he is. He didn't challenge what he stood for. He didn't challenge what he believed in. He challenged who he was. That you are just as much as a maniac as I am. You just do it a little differently. Right. What's great? And, and, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say what's great about the Killing Joke is like it seems like every movie iteration of the Joker has pulled something, something yeah. out of that out of that great story, like. In Batman 89, we saw, you know, the Joker being tossed in a vat of acid, kind of like the Killing Joke. And then in The yeah. Dark Knight, we saw how uh, the Joker's like... Um, how the Joker is like anarchy. Too. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and, and the, the story of like his like history yeah. is like, you know, you know how I got these scars. Well, that's kind of taken directly from The Killing Joke, mm. where the Joker says... If I had a history, it would be multiple or something to the effect of that. So, like every and I'm, it's very, I'm very curious is to Suicide Squad. Are is Jared Leto going to be taking yeah. from the Killing Joke, which some say is the quintessential Joker story? I have faith. Okay, yeah, I have faith in Jared Leto just because I like Jared Leto, not because he's cute. I actually like like Jared Leto. He seems like a cool dude. Um, I don't love the way he looks. I will say that. It just feels like he almost looks like a hipster to me. <laughs> he does. He kind of just, and that's fine. I mean, if that's the vibe they're going for or whatever. But it's just sometimes I was, I, when I saw the picture, I was just kind of like, oh, I didn't think you were going that route, but that's fine. I think Honestly, it's... though, to me, the entire Suicide Squad looks a little too costumey. Like, they look like a bunch of teenagers on Halloween night, not like Hollywood paid actors. And I'm just like, do we not have enough in the wardrobe budget to make this work? <laughs> I can't figure it out. Like, to me, Harley Quinn, oh, my God. I can't, I'm sorry, guys. If you guys love it, awesome. But I can't get behind that. And it's not because I'm looking for her to be some leather-suited, hardcore, you know, whatever. I'm not even looking for that. It's just she literally looks like I went into my drawer and picked out a bunch of random clothes and then just threw it on and walked out the door. And I'm just like, I guess. But I heard there's a costume change, so... Multiple costumes, possibly. Maybe. <laughs> we can get rid of that. Uh, so, was there anything else about the killing joke? Like, the artwork, the... You know, you kind of touched on the storytelling and, like, Alan Moore's words and how he composed the words into making this incredible comic book. Was there anything else that you left out within the killing the joke? The art is very classic. I appreciate that for sure. It's like an, it's an old school vibe that isn't necessarily seen too often these days, unless it's very intentional. You know what I mean? 
Um, and that's nothing against any of the artists who are out today because, I mean, everybody that I've seen has been phenomenal in their own way. Um, but the art is very classic and very old school. And, um, God, see, this is why I need it in front of me. There are certain panels where, and I know that they're in this one, and I wish I could remember the moments. There are certain panels where it's almost like there's silence that you can hear. You know what I mean? You can sort of hear the moment wind down. It's almost like in a movie when something intense is about to happen and the music snaps off all of a sudden and you're paying attention. That was very, very well done. And that's definitely a joint effort between, you know, writer and artist to successfully create like a high tension You know, create those moments so that the audience feels them just as potently as you're creating them. So you know what I mean? If this is a silent moment where you're just hearing these haunting words, they mastered that they really did master that i don't think i've seen anybody master that so well since uh jeff johns did his run on teen titans back in 2005 that was the next time that that really stood out to me so Um, have you heard the grant morrison story that he tells about like the last two pages of the killing joke where he says that actual in actuality alan moore has batman kill the joker like you can't see it like he grabs on Batman grabs onto the Joker who is laughing, and Grant Morrison says, you know, he kind of like, uh, he essentially kills the Joker. Have I heard? haven't heard that. Yeah. Really? Um, he says it on another uh, podcast, uh, another Batman podcast, a pretty famous one, where he, he goes into like great detail on it. So if you look at that, uh, I know, obviously you can't see it, but you you've seen like those uh yeah those frames before. I'm not, not, I'm like not it, kind of freaking out. Like, yeah, this changes my whole perspective on this story now. Exactly. I just can't, I can't I kind of want to do that to you because I was like I wonder if she's heard that Grant Morrison had. I mean, maybe maybe Grant Morrison's right. Maybe Batman actually does kill the Joker because you don't see what happens. All all you see is. The Joker laughing, then uh, the the rainwater just gets uh, higher and higher. Like it just, there's nothing left. I feel like I, wow. Okay, first of all, I need to listen to this. <laughs> but I also feel like that's a little impossible, kind of, for him to have killed the Joker. I. It's gonna sound like super corny, but I believe in Batman, guys. <laughs> like I. I can't imagine him bringing himself to do it. Breaking the rule. Not just, I mean, and there's, there's instances all over the place where he's had the opportunity and he hasn't. I mean, even Jason Todd, that was a huge, and that was an opportunity where he was motivated to do it, and he didn't. But I mean, even if you, um, God, which one is it? Scott Snyder or Zero Year? When there's a bunch of short stories at the end of the thing. And he was training with like that queen lady and she was trying to drive him to kill a man and he wouldn't no matter what he wouldn't. And it got to the point where like she was telling other men to get in the ring with him, but they were looking at Bruce and they were terrified. They were like, whatever that man is, no, I'm not, I won't go in there. I'm terrified. And she could not get him to kill anybody no matter how broken he was. So I'm just trying to like imagine that situation where it was all. It was really almost necessary to kill somebody because of the way they were beating him up. And then with the Joker, for him to just give in, it almost feels too easy. I don't know. I need to listen to this podcast, guys. Somebody send me a link. <laughs> um. <laughs> so let's move right to Kyle with your top three. Uh, 
I don't know if you can put put into words oh, how man. eloquently Kim described. I'm gonna those. sound like a fifth grader. <laughs> I'm like, I like this one. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> the pictures are good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, which number do you want me to start at? Start with three. Your three. My number three. Oh, th this was a tough one. I had a lot of candidates for the slot, but I think um, in the end, I'm gonna have to go with probably. The Long Halloween for my choice there. Okay. It was a hard one, but uh, I went for that one. Just because, for me, it really does capture the spirit of Batman quite well. What, what he was originally supposed to be, which was a detective. And he's he's going along uh, trying to solve this, the mystery that takes him quite a while. It takes place over a period of like a whole year or so. I really did enjoy that. Plus, it has pretty much all the characters you want to see in one book. Like, you got... The most popular ones. You got some of the less common ones, like the Calendar Man in there. A little bit of everything for everyone. Uh, my number two. It, it's a recent book I just read. I actually just read The Killing Joke for the first time last week. So that's nice. that one's going right Sweet. there. Sweet. So that's kind of why I was so excited to talk about it because I was just like, oh, I finally got around to reading this. It's a fantastic <laughs> book. Especially since it's like so focused around my favorite character and the Joker, and finally got to learn a little bit more about him, so that was really cool. And as for my number one, uh, this is a book I would recommend any person that's interested in getting a comics book reads, and it would have to be uh, the New Fifty Two Batman Volume One, Court of Owls. It does does a really good job, in my opinion, of like introducing Batman and all his uh, companions in a way that you can, like, associate yourself with them. Right. And right off the bat, you already know he's, like, he's up against this great foe that he doesn't really know who they are exactly, just that they've been, like, around and haunting him since his childhood. Well, actually, if you if you read deeper into it, it's kind of, like, something that even his father was, like, battling against, right? right. Like, it, yeah. went, it went all the way back it's to, his like, father's his father and his father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been around generations. Them, like, before Bruce is even born. And it, did you enjoy, like, how they... Um, the whole city aspect to the oh, courthouse. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, it really encourages Batman right off the bat to like be active in the city and not just like focus mainly on villains, but it really brought Gotham to the forefront and it felt like a legitimate character, not just a setting. Hmm. That's an interesting way to put that. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like with, that. With, with uh, Scott Snyder's first run of it, you know, everyone like really hails his writing, but you really can't get an amazing comic book like you know the first few issues of Batman reintroduced in the New Fifty Two without amazing artwork. What did oh, you yeah. think about Greg Capullo's run and still continuing to this day on uh, Batman? I think even though he's had years of artwork to inspire him. Greg Capullo is definitely amongst the greats of all comic book artists, in my opinion. Definitely look forward to seeing more of his work in the future. Hey, Justin. Where can I find all the best and hottest and latest DC news on the internet, man? Man, the DC Extended Multiverse. That, where do you think I found that Mark Hamill was going to be joining The Killing Joke from Bruce Timm? the DC Extended Multiverse. My friend, Chris Olivier, is always on top of that. The latest and greatest comic book news, movie news, 
trailers, pictures, posters, anything and everything DC Cinematic Universe. I'm going to check out the DC Extended Multiverse now. Yeah, man. The DC Extended Multiverse is the best place. I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. They're always updating, always giving you the best feedback, and they actually interact with you. If you comment on something, they're talking back with you. It's not one of those weird Facebook pages that don't do that. Chris is always, always trying to help out fans of the DC Extended Multiverse. And you'll see our podcast on there from time to time. So definitely check them out. The DC Extended Multiverse. Oh yeah, DC Extended Multiverse. DC Extended Multiverse. DC Extended Multiverse. All right, so I guess that brings it to me with my three. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one because guess what? He's in it just a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with the graphic novel... Joker, Brian Azzarello, Lieber Mayho. Mm -hmm. um, Joker is my favorite character, and the way that that book is done is just so special. Like the way that the Joker act, the story, like the Joker's getting out of prison. Why in the fuck is the Joker getting out of prison? And then it gets to who's gonna go pick him up? You know, and like no one wants to pick up this crazy guy. So we travel through the city through the night with the Joker and one of his thugs, pretty much. And we get to see a side of Joker that you don't see in other books. It's, it's one of my favorites, for sure. What about that artwork? <laughs> the artwork? Uh, Lieber Mayho is a god of comic <laughs> book art. So the artwork is just insane. Like the detail, like the small detail and everything. The city, the city really comes to life in that. It's crazy. It, everything's every brick in Gotham City is detailed to like its finest. You know. So that is going to bring me to my second pick, which is also is New Fifty Two. It would be Endgame. Endgame mm -hmm. is amazing. Okay. Um, we did a whole like po episode podcast on that. On just that, that yeah, we broke down all the all the comics for that. I have to check that one out. Um, the story want again the story to Endgame. It's the Joker, Batman. It it goes back to where it started. Like at the, I mean, spoilers. If you haven't read this, stop and go read it. Um, in the end, I mean, Batman and the Joker are laying next to each other, practically dead, with no hope of getting to the pit, the Lazarus pit, that they're nearly feet from. And Batman literally signs off and, tell, and says that he wants to just hang out with his friend for a while. Like, that, that pretty much sums up the relationship, as far as I'm concerned. Um... The ending, the very ending, is a wee bit confusing. Um, with did he die? Did they both die? Like, where'd they go? Where did they go? But still, definitely in my top three. And then uh, number one for sure. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns, hands down. That's just, that's my Batman. Ass-kicking, mean Batman. With no neck. 
It's no neck. It's just pure um, muscle. No neck, stands in awkward positions. Um, but no, seriously, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns is untouchable. I mean, Batman's seen it all in this. He knows he's it's it's like a pro chess player. Like he he's five steps ahead of you at all times. There's no touching him. If if you haven't read it, it's a must read for sure. Those are really everyone's given like really amazing, like insightful, uh, like what they're yeah. It was better than I just like the pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah, Cool. Um, So now it's on to me, Mr. Justin Shanley, and the Um, show's named after you. This better be good. Well, for me, it's it's been it's been really hard. It's been really hard. So I need to cry about it. Don't cry, Argentina. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, for, I have to say, Dark Victory number three. It takes months. It takes a few months after. Uh, what? Why are you shaking your head, Tom? I don't know. I'm not familiar. Not gonna lie. Well, yeah, <laughs> I actually don't know which one this is. I was gonna listen to you explain. So, Dark Victory takes place a few okay. months after the Long Halloween. And what it does is it kind of like continues the story from the long Halloween, but brings a junior partner in for the first time. And it really rehashes the origin story of Robin. And they do it in such a cinematic way with Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It's, it's really a masterful work. And I don't know, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. It's a great story. It has pretty much the same characters from the long Halloween. So if you're a fan of that, Pick up Dark Victory. It's it's incredible. I, it's been a few years since I've read it. Um, you know, college and life kind of gets in the way. But I remember a scene where, uh, if I remember correctly, Batman is in the Batcave and a villain, it might have been the Joker, I can't remember, comes in the Batcave and Robin comes in and, like, kicks ass and saves the day for Batman. And from, like, then on, they're, like, they're, like, like, like that superhero team up. Like so, partners yes. instead of father-son. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, Robin's young again in this iteration. Not like the fountain of Yeah. Well, no, not like that. I'm just saying, like, he's just, I know, like, I a young... Yeah. He's like that, <clears throat> like, 10, 11, 12-year-old year uh, age where he's kind of, like, kicking ass and everything, and he's using his acrobats. Like, Jeff, Jeff Loeb knows how to create and craft uh, an amazing story with... You know, his words and Tim Sales is able to use those words and really create uh, some incredible artwork in there as well. It's very, it's like, it's like the best of both worlds. Like you cannot get like that Greg Capullo vibe from it, but it's a little more animated series uh, put put in. Um, number two is going to have to be year one. I remember reading this comic back when I was in high school for the first time and everyone's like you got to read year one you got to read year one and i was like why 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 do why, why should i read it like dark knight returns is okay frank miller like I, I just don't get it why does everyone love this book so much and after reading it like i finally understood what all the the hubbub the the hoopla, the hoopla yeah <laughs> to why everyone enjoyed it and What's amazing about it is, is they kind of like take. Well, if you've seen Batman Begins, it's kind of like uh, reading Batman Begins, but in comic form. It kind of goes back and retells the origin story of Bruce 
And you really don't even get to see Batman until about three quarters of the way in. And there's some amazing story in it. Where it's about a man who's kind of like uh, down on... I wouldn't even say he's down on luck. He's just kind of like in the pits of his own hell, his own misery. And he's able to like to like kind of like pull through that. There's a, there's some incredible imagery from it as well. Like I remember uh, Bruce, he puts on like this weird scar on his face. He's walking through like the the pits and the hell of Gotham City, and he's just beaten like beaten ass. Like he's like kicks the shit out of like some uh, pimp. He like he gets stabbed. Like like he's like he doesn't have any like any like bat suit on him. He's just he's like town. yeah he's he gets <laughs> stabbed and then like that's. And then you cut to the scene where Bruce is just sitting there, like wondering, should I just let, should I just bleed out? Like, what do I have really to live for? And there's a there's a bell that's sitting right next to him. It's and it's nighttime, and if he rings the bell, Alfred will come and save him. But if he doesn't, he can finally live the pain that he has been, you know, stricken with for so many years after the death of his parents. Like, he, he really has no, like, nothing left to live for. So he sits there, and then all of a sudden, like, you see, like, this, you know, bat just crash through the window. And that from, like, then on, he takes the oath and rings the bell, and, like, the rest is history. And also, what's amazing about that book is you see, like, the first time where, you know... Batman, like, he has that boot thing and Batman Begins where he pushes the button yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the bats come out. Like, that's, okay, in, yeah. that's in year one. It's amazing. Like, And, like, I, like there's an awesome scene where Flash gets his ass kicked by Gordon. Because Gordon uh, is almost killed. I can't remember exactly how he was killed, but he like, Flash sets him up and, like, he gets his ass kicked. He gets beat up. Yep. And then, and then all of a sudden, Gordon just pulls up and just start, like, gets out of the car and starts beating the crap out of Flash. It's awesome. And, like, it plays, and it starts playing up, like, as, it plays up for, like, the first time that, uh, the GCPD is just as corrupted as Gotham City is. Like, they've, they're, they're easily bought, they're easily corruptible, and Gordon's the lone, the lone uh, figure in the city to kind of clean it up. And he comes in for the first time in Chicago from Chicago PD. And he comes back to like the home, like he doesn't want to come back, but you know he he's back. He doesn't want to raise his kid. He doesn't want to have a wife in this like dank, dark, horrible city. And it and it really what's really amazing is like throughout the entire book, and a lot of people don't realize it when they're reading it for the first time because there's a lot going on, but they weave like a story of these two men of Gordon and Batman kind of like getting closer and closer and closer. Then at the very end, um, uh, Bruce saves, spoiler, Bruce saves uh, young James Gordon or James, or James Jr. I guess you could say from like falling off this uh, bridge and Gordon doesn't have his glasses on so he can't see exactly who it is who saved him and from then on like he knows like this this character, this Bat character, save his son. So they they they're bonded from then on. And like the final scene is they're on a rooftop, and uh, they're kind of like shaking hands, like okay, like we have this partnership. He's like, well, I need you to go take a look at this guy, and it's he pulls out like this Joker card or something, and like you know what's like what's happening next. And like Year One is a very good book, but it's definitely not my favorite. My favorite book 
is the the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale Long Halloween. That book, if you're a Batman fan and haven't read that book, I think what you should do is stop what you're doing right now, push pause, go <laughs> read this book. You will not put it down at all. Like you will just sit there and look at the amazing artwork and the incredible story of what this this creature of the night is. Like it kind of reads like The Godfather or The Godfather Part Two. Like it it plays up the the mafioso of uh, Carmine Falcone and his and Maroni. Yep, and yeah. the and like the family aspect of the mafia that's like it's kind of at war with each other. And then there's this this uh this serial killer that's like killing all these uh, mafia dons. And it's what's amazing about this is not only are they play they they're able to play up so many of the villains. But they're also able to tell like a kind of like a semi origin story of Two Face. They're able to tell the story of like these amazing different uh, these holidays that happen. Like I remember, there's a scene where Batman is uh, fighting the Joker in the snow. Like the snow's just like blanketing Gotham City, and Batman and the Joker fighting on this plane. It's freaking awesome. There's so many amazing uh, images from it. The story is in depth, detailed. And like I, I, me talking about it is not going to do it justice because I just there's so many different things that you could pull out. Mm -hmm. And if you if you've seen The Dark Knight, that's a, a lot of where like the story beats and a lot of like the little I believe in Harvey Dent come from is from The Long Halloween. So if you're a fan of The Dark Knight, then you're definitely going to be a fan of The Long yeah. Halloween. Like they play up like Calendar Man, the Scarecrows in there, Poison Ivy, Penguin, like all these all these different villains that. You know, you see every once in a while are in like are all in this in this book, and they all have a, a place in the story as well. They're just not like, oh, there's the Joker pat walking down the street. Oh, there goes the Penguin. He's at the Iceberg Lounge or something. These all ha they all have inner workings within Gotham City and all these different aspects of it. And I really like the Alfred Batman uh, relationship relationship yeah i'm kind of like rambling on how amazing but it's it's like my only issue my only thing that i wish i wish i would have reread the issue it's been it's been a long time since i read it but like, you know we're all busy so i like i said like i read that for the first time right before right before right after batman begins i know i reread it again right before dark knight came out but like yeah like there's so many amazing things like you can pull out of it. Like each chapter is another holiday. So you'll see Halloween, you'll see Thanksgiving, you'll see Christmas, New Year's. I think Arbor Day is in it as well. Like, uh, <laughs> I can't, like it's been so many years, but they play up so many different holidays and it all plays into the story of this holiday killer. And at the end, it's a very ambiguous, like who is the holiday killer? Was it, was it this person or was it really this other person? And it's really well done. And it leads right into Dark Victory. So there you have it. There's my three, my attempt to tell, talk about my three favorite comics or graphic novels. I think they're all graphic novels. So, mm -hmm. so, so what else? There's there's other things we can talk about, Ken. Do we? Do any of us have honorable mentions we'd like to throw out there? Maybe not necessarily books we like, or just interesting that we'd like to talk about. 
Kyle, since you brought it up, be the first one. I was trying to stall for time. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it would probably have to be Court of Owls. And I know there's one, another one that I'm just not thinking of right now. Is it a comic series or a novel? I want to say it's a comic series, but I'll just, I'll just start talking about Court of Owls. Yeah, or Batman Noel. I like Batman Noel as well. Thanks, Tom, for that mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I have to read that one. I'll put it on my list. Yeah, it's definitely... Okay, it's, that it's, one I have to check If out. you like Dickens, it's just like Dickens. Like, what? what's amazing about Batman Noel is it's plays a Christmas carol, mm -hmm. but it's in Gotham City. It's in uh, the world of Batman. Like, I like how... The different villains are the different, like, Ghosts of Christmas past, present, and uh, future. Like, the Ghosts of Christmas future is the Joker. Joker yep. And, like, I, the, the story that's... It's really not a Batman story as much as Batman trying to get this father to really do the right thing for his son, to be a good role model for his son. So at the beginning of the book, it's, I'm going to take this guy down. Like, I don't care he's got a kid. Like, I don't care that he's got to pay for this... Um, pay this kid's, you know, bills for this or that, or, like, he's got to pay the electric bill, and he can't afford food for his kid. I don't care. It's not my problem. And the, and Batman's really played up as uh, Mr. Scrooge. Yeah. Like, he's, like, the, the old miser who doesn't care about, you know, the less fortunate, because he's sitting on high. You know, he's got all the money in the world. At the very end... Don't oh, spoil it for Kim. Like, it's... <laughs> Did you not hear her say she's got to read it? Don't <sighs> spoil it. I, yeah. I got your back, Kim. I got it. It's all good. <laughs> okay, so then Tom, take it. I was so curious. I was just going to let him keep going. Oh, but I guess we can keep going. No, no, oh, you're probably right. We ruined it. We ruined it. <laughs> so, Tom, any honorable mentions? Any honorable mentions from me? Um, Honestly, no. I can't really think of anything off, off the top of my head to honorable mention. I'll throw one out there. Kyle can honorable How about mention. A death in the family. That, Ooh, that was a game changer. Mention. Whatever there you go. Out. Yeah, death in the family is amazing. Like, has anything like that ever happened before in the Batman lore before that point? You have to talk to Kim on that one. I'm not like as I'm not really sure. Like, because as far as I know, that's like the first major like death of a main character. We're talking about the old one, right? Yes, the old one. Yeah. That's death in the family. Yeah, that, the new one is death of like, the family. Batman died before that. What was that? What? Huh? Are we talking the same thing? I'm talking about the old one. You're talking about like Robin gets killed. Yeah, a death in the family. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay. I'm like, wait. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's kind of confusing because they're both very similarly named. Right. Well, what's interesting about that is the whole hotline that. Yeah, it was like a. It was a. It was a like fan choice like right. you want to kill robin you want to keep him yeah, around we don't give a shit like give us a you. call <laughs> like yeah Whoa. and all these kids are like yeah fuck that guy and your yellow booties let's see if they'll do it yeah <laughs> hell who did we talk to they were like oh i totally called to kill him oh yeah we just steven i think it was yeah I think dr steven i'm pretty sure it was dr langley that was like yeah i, I totally wanted to kill that guy <laughs> jesus so Oh, shit, you just reminded me. Have you guys ever read Modern Tragedy and Triumph? No, I have not. 
what are we missing? Okay, it's like an old school Tindrick Robin. No, it's an old school uh, Tindrick Robin comic. And you just reminded me of it because in that comic, it's a two part. The first part is discussing how Tindrick's family basically fell apart when, and when Batman tried to go rescue him out of Haiti. And then the second part is like Batman's out of town on something. So Tim Drake is sort of like looking over Gotham on his own and the Joker shows up. And when Gordon lights up the bat signal, Tim Drake shows up and he's like, uh, you know, how can I help? And Gordon's kind of like, I'm going to need Batman on this one. <laughs> he's not available, but it's funny because Tim uses a trick. He tricks Joker and makes a fake Robin body. And Joker freaks out like, I killed you. I killed you. I know I killed you. And it's just like a really good moment. And so I just thought about it. it sounds so amazing. So you guys should read that one. Uh, really good. Yeah. What was it again? <laughs> um, Robin, Tragedy, and Triumph. Nice. It's a good one. I'm going to check that out. But like sure. Joker freaks like, I know I killed you. I know I killed you. And it's like, it's really good. Like straight up he's seen a ghost. Like, yeah. And he, was, he was like terrified and manic and. Just, it was really interesting because you rarely catch Joker off his beginning. Right. At the end of that comic, does he go, you're terminated? Totally. Totally. Oh, man. Kim, we are really, really happy to have you on board with the Shanley on Batman crew. Um, you can find Kim on Twitter at, what is it, at the Pink Ranger? Oh, no, Pink Ranger's just the name on the thing. It's Kim okay. K. Gaines, G-A-I-N-E-S. Okay, my bad. Yes, you can find her there, and you can check out her website, which is? Grubmachine.com. Awesome. And you can always check us out at www.shanleyandonbatman.com. Where Kim's going to drop her first review tomorrow or sometime this week. So, yes. Yeah, I can definitely drop that. Awesome. For episode 39 of Shannon on Batman, I'm Justin Shannon. Tom Harper. Kyle Davis. And Kim Gaines. Yup. Have a good night. I am the night. I am the night.